0: Good morning, friends. You guys are talkative today, and that is good, right? Having community, amen? Uh, We're going to continue to go through the gospel of Matthew this morning as we talk about forgiveness. We're going to be in Matthew 6, uh, verses 14 through 15. Before I I read that, I just want to talk a little bit, again, why are we studying the gospel of Matthew? Well, it's the gospel. Uh, It's one of the gospels, and praise God for that. Right, so we're going to study it. But there's a specific reason that we're doing this. As we're discipling people and coming alongside people to follow Jesus, follow the way of Jesus, in our society, especially in Springfield, we will hear things like, man, I, lo- I love the Lord, and I want Jesus. But when they describe who Jesus is and his teachings, sometimes there's a there, there's, it seems like they're talking about a different Jesus, or sometimes you're talking about a different Jesus. There's some things as we have already went through six chapters in the Gospel of Matthew that we're looking at and, and going, well, Jesus says some really things that are easy for you and I to digest. But then there's also been some things that are like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, this isn't a popular verse, right? Or that's, whoa, well, wait, 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 Jesus said that? Yes, Jesus said that, or did that. That's why it's so important to go through the full gospel. And as Pastor Clinton and I were praying about that earlier this spring of like, okay, what next book should we go through? It was like Gospel of Matthew. Why? Because the gospel is so good. Let's let's keep looking at it. But then also, man, we need to take in all of Jesus, not just some of him, right? We want all of him. So this morning we're going to be looking at forgiveness. And this is one of those passages that we stop in our tracks, and we're supposed to. It's one of those things that Jesus said. It's just an, like an aha moment, one that was supposed to make us go, "Well, wait a minute. Okay, and, and As we read this, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Matthew 6, verse 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men <clears throat> their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Sends. Let us pray. Father God, as we look at this very beautiful but difficult passage for us to digest, God, we know that you meant for it to be difficult, not by our own human understanding or by our flesh. Can, Can we receive this or even walk into this? This beauty of forgiveness and you working in our lives. Holy Spirit, speak to us and through us today. Speak to our minds and our spirits individually and corporately as a church body. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this, we're going to be two points. And the first point is forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. And I think last week we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer puts us in a positioning, a positioning to believe and receive from the Lord is your prayer life. You know, hopefully you're called to talk to God. And you do that. It's called prayer. You start talking to the Father by the name of Jesus. But the Lord tells us in the beginning of just the foundation of our prayers: hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name, Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And the importance of that, of all of my prayer and your prayer, and we talk to God, we talk to the creator of the universe above our needs, above our doubt above our provision, our hurt, and our pain, is we must come before a holy God saying, God, you are amazing. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer, it starts to speak about forgiveness. After temptation, there's forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive others. We are a forgiven people. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven. And that is the good news of the gospel. But then as forgiven people, God says, I want you to be a part of my church. And we're like, "Uh uh-oh. I'm going to be around people? You know, the introverts are like, what? The extroverts are like, yes. Until there's these hard things that happen in all relationships, every relationship, there's going to be sin There is going to be mess ups. There's going to be mistakes. And so these forgiven people are called to be with people. It's called the people of God. And they're going to mess up, which means that we need forgiveness. Right? And it's this never-ending, beautiful cycle. Forgiven people that need to forgive. So today we talk about forgiveness. And there is a power at the cross. And it's, 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 it's beyond words. It's beyond confession. It is a supernatural thing that only Jesus can do in your life. When you come to the realization that there is a God in heaven, and through the name of Jesus you can know this God, this creator, it changes everything about you. But you do not get there without this first understanding of sin in your own life and the need for forgiveness. And then so much Jesus says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, when we look at this, this forgiveness, like we don't believe this is the unforgivable sin that we found here. This is one of those um, passages we need to stop. Whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? What saved me? Jesus Christ on the cross saved me. I don't, well, now I need to earn my salvation. I'm going to forgive all of you so I can be forgiven. No. That's religion. That's not what this, this, this verse is talking about. But what we do see is the power of forgiveness, where we have to stop in our tracks and go, wait a minute. When I realize the supernatural power of what Jesus did on the cross for me, how can I look at you and say, I can be forgiven, but you can't? It begs the question, do we really embrace what Jesus did on the cross? Or do we go, you know what? A holy God would forgive what I did, but not what you did. And it puts us in that place, which is why Jesus is talking about this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Forgiveness is powerful. How I forgive you, you extend that to others. This isn't a loophole. This isn't religion And this is a hard verse, but it's a powerful one. I want us to look in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50, as we see this invitation that Jesus has at a Pharisee's house, and we begin to see what forgiveness can look like. Verse 36 says, Now when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she, <coughs> excuse me, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And we see this invitation that Jesus has at this Pharisee's house, this religious leader. And we realize this invitation really wasn't one of honor. This Pharisee wanted to show Jesus up into his house so he could be rude to him is kind of what we get is happening here. But then this woman who has sin in her life finds out that this Jesus, this prophet, in her understanding at that time, is at Simon's house and she's like, I gotta go. Think about the shame as she comes into this house and she sees Jesus and begins to weep. Can we come before a holy God at the cross? At Calvary, there's no other way that we can come other than a broken and contrite heart that God says, I will not despise that. I will not turn away from that. It's salvation. And she wipes his dirty feet with her tears and her hair and then anoints him with perfume. And when the Pharisee sees it, he's like, oh, this guy isn't a prophet. He would know how dirty she is, how sinful she is, all the things that she has done. So obviously this woman has quite the reputation. And it's something that happens in the church that we're, we're not careful. Again, and you'll hear this many times, our mission is to worship God. God with everything and then it leads us to a place of beauty where we love the church and together our mission is the lost so sick people will come into the church that need Jesus and why do we love them why do we accept them why do we say come on sit at my table because we were once lost like that but just like that Pharisee what we do is say well my sin wasn't that bad yeah, sure, I needed to be saved, but I'm not like that person. Never allow the enemy to lie to you about the supernatural power of the cross and what Jesus did when he saved you. And I love this when Jesus says, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And sometimes the lack of my love and the lack of your love towards people that I don't like, or I don't get along with, or their story is different than mine. There's many times a direct correlation of me forgetting my spiritual memory, of me forgetting what Jesus did on the cross for me, and what he did for you. And that's why we worship him together to come back to that place. It's why we have communion in the back to remind us, Jesus saved me. He saved me from death. I deserved death but he gave me life. Forgiveness. It starts in the heart. We realize in our spirit that something is wrong when you've done something, and, and, I, and, I, and I love like working with children, and my own children, and just seeing like, when you know they've done something, but they don't know that you know. It doesn't always happen like this. But when you see their little hearts aren't okay with what they've done, Right And it's a, it's a beautiful thing as a parent when you see that like, oh, I know, man, they, they haven't confessed yet, but I can see God is working on their heart. Ephesians 4:32 reminds us of this in our relationships. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's, it's, it's why we're to be kind with one another. Again, what because Jesus forgave me? And when we see that working of the Spirit on your heart. The Holy Spirit can only break your heart. You can't do it. You can't do it for other people. You can't do a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. You can't make people sorry for their sin. Only the Lord can do that. And when we receive what he is doing, it's a beautiful thing. Forgiveness starts in the heart, which is why we need to be diligent about our hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Hebrews 3, 7 through 9. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years and saw what I did. Hebrews reminded of a time when God was moving in such a miraculous way. They had the the manna, they had the quail. God walked with them as a cloud before them. And it didn't matter how many miracles God did, they still hardened their hearts. Your heart can be hardened so much. That you say, where is God? And where is the cross? Where is forgiveness? And I'd say in this day and time, in this season of life, there's so many ways that the enemy is using to harden our hearts. Calloused it. You'll hear it from the pulpit from from other leaders as well. I mean, there's a reason why our elders and our pastors are saying this, right? Look at our society. So many ways to become calloused to sin. After our hearts are moved to God and moved to righteousness, then there is confession. In our hearts, we, we, we realize what we've done isn't good, and we need forgiveness. And then we confess, Lord, I've done this thing. Forgive me. First John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and and he is just. Why is he just to forgive you? Because the penalty was paid on the cross. He's a just God. The penalty's been paid. It would be now unjust, unrighteous for God not to forgive you. It's a part of his nature. And it's a part of his command on the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's how powerful it is. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The confession of prayer is such a powerful thing that James 5.16 says, Man, when, I, when I can confess my sins to you, I'm not saying this is every person, but to my inner circle or even sometimes from the pulpit. Right? When, I, when you and I, when our hearts are broken before the Lord and we confess our sin, like one of the ways that you can really see that someone is trusting in God, God's done a good work in you and your past is behind you, I can say, man, I used to struggle with this, but I don't anymore. And as I'm going through it, I can go to people and say, dude, I am struggling with this sin and I need your prayer. And why can I do that? Because I can trust what Jesus is doing on the cross. I can trust the work of the Holy Spirit in other people and I can bring that darkness that I'm struggling with into the light of God. Confession is a powerful thing. And when our... Heart is repenting, and our words have confessed. We can change our behavior. It's called repentance. And one of the things that we can struggle with when we're looking at forgiveness is false forgiveness. We feel things in our heart, we say things like, I'm sorry, but then the actions do not change. As your heart is broken and there's a confession. There's also repentance. This says, "Man, I'm I'm not. I'm, I'm choosing not to do that anymore." It's one of the reasons why this forgiveness thing that is so essential to the cross is also such a difficult thing. Because in our own lives, or maybe in the lives of others, you've had someone say, "I'm sorry, and I won't do that," but they do it again. And some do that that are just not healthy at the moment, or they're immature. And understand that someone that says, I'm sorry, and they do it again doesn't mean they're always doing that on purpose. Sometimes they're just in an addiction cycle. If you ever dealt with someone that has addiction, they're always going to choose their addiction over you. And don't take that personal. That's not what they're meaning to do. They're addicted. Right? So well, be patient with that. Have grace with that. It's important to identify that, hey, this person is an addiction. Of course, they're going to do this until there's been a true healing in their life, until that addiction is broke. Maybe they need some counseling. Maybe they need you know, something deeper. And we walk with them through that. It's messy. Forgiveness is, is messy. But then there's the other side where there's some. They say, they say I'm sorry as a Manipulation. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, and I encourage you, this is a discernment moment. You know what I'm talking about? And that person says, I'm sorry, and it's just so they can do it again. And they're going to use God's grace and forgiveness in your life as a tool to hurt you. And I would say, be very, very careful with this. Because if your heart is jaded and it's calloused and it's hardened, you won't trust anyone that says, I'm sorry. If your heart is a bleeding heart, then you'll continue to let someone walk in sin and just say, I'm sorry, right? There's a discernment thing that has to happen there. Forgiveness can lead us to restoration. See, there's forgiveness. It says, Lord, I'm sorry. Hey, so-and-so, I'm sorry. I don't want to do this again. I'm going to repent of my actions, and I'm going to change. And sometimes we need help with that. And then there is restoration. Sometimes I think the reason why forgiveness is such a difficult thing for us to get is we don't understand the difference between forgiveness and restoration. I can forgive you, you can forgive me, but to be restored in relationship, fruit has to happen. Testing has to happen. Right? If your parents, your kids do something and you, you... there's discipline and there's forgiveness and there's repentance. You don't just automatically give them the keys back to the car. You don't automatically just give them the phone. Sometimes, you know, depending on situations, sometimes, you know what, you, got, you you got to earn this trust back. I would say this. Most people that are down the road of restoring something that's been broken, that they broke, will more than understand the need to see fruit forgiveness is messy never forget the power of the cross but forgiveness leads us to restoration and restoration is a two party system I could actually say three party system you the other person and the power of God and why do we allow that testing why do we allow that time of restoration because God has done that in us he forgave us and then he restored us and he's continually restoring us there is power in forgiveness, my friends. And I always think of forgiving my biological father at his gravesite. And I've given this story before, and I'll just get, you know, just again, just a, just a, just a very quick one. That sometimes there's things in our life of forgiveness, like forgiveness is powerful, and when my, my father passed away uh, 20-something years ago, he was not in my life. I called him by his first name, and that wasn't because I was jaded against him. It's just that's what I knew him as, right? I had, a, thankfully, a stepfather at home who I called Dad. But when my biological father passed away and I'm at his funeral, the Lord began to stir something in me. And then the following day before I was leaving Idaho and actually to come to Evangel University, I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit, man, go to his gravesite and just say goodbye. And I went to his gravesite, and I was compelled by the Holy Spirit to forgive. And to forgive something that I, I'm like, God, why do I need to forgive him? I'm not, like, really hurt. Like, you gave me a daddy at home, and I love him, and I have his last name, and I, and I, and I, and I have a father in heaven. Like, you need to forgive him. And I just sat at his gravesite and began to cry and began to weep. As this emotion that I didn't know needed to happen, happened. And it was one of the most supernatural things in my life. Like the weather changed, There was bur. It was, I mean, it was something like out of a movie. I mean, it was crazy. I'm like looking for the TV. Like who's playing a joke on me right now? And when that prayer was over, the sun came out. And God did something in me that was also supernatural in my heart. Forgiveness is powerful. The second thing I want to look at this morning is the opposite of forgiveness. It's offense and the unforgivable. So we look at this passage where Jesus says, man, you forgive people. And if you don't forgive people, I'm not going to forgive you. So we understand that forgiveness is powerful. And whenever every relationship that I have and you have doesn't go through the lens of the cross Then, meant the enemy can just set up camp. That's why we forgive, and then it takes two to restore. See, to take offense or to say something is unforgivable is something that we really have to be cautious with. Again, why? Because if I say, well, God can forgive me, but he can't forgive you, then what I'm saying is God got a pretty good deal for me, but he had to work harder on the cross for you. And I know we all have a different cup of what we've received of the wrong that's been done to us. I think some of us are dealing with the bumps and bruises that are a part of community. Someone was late to coffee. Should never be late to coffee. They didn't call you back when they were supposed to. You know, they're always on their phone because you see it, but when you text them, they're busy. Bumps and bruises. Married people, right? Your spouse has a dream about you, and they're mad because you were a jerk in their dream, and you're like, I'm sorry, right? Real things, right? It's called bumps and bruises, and it's a part of community. If our hearts are jaded, we'll stop right there. We'll stop right there on just bumps and bruises, trips, accidents. Bumps and bruises part of life, and we will set up camp, allow the enemy to set up camp and say, I am done with that person, The second thing that we can struggle with with offense and just unforgiveness are deep wounds and scars. Someone hurt you, but they didn't mean to. It wasn't on purpose, but it's deep. I have a scar on my left leg from breaking my leg in middle school. It's there, it's not going away. Sometimes I limp because of it still. Still an accident. Still an accident. Doesn't mean it didn't hurt, doesn't mean I don't need healing. Some of us in here, it's beyond bumps and bruises. It's deep pain and scars that we need some healing on. Don't let the enemy set up camp in those deep scars and wounds. Let the Lord who had his own wounds be used for his glory. And for some of us, and these are the hard things, We went through continued pain and abuse from someone. And they did it on purpose. And they're not repenting. And those caused the deepest wounds. Don't show those people forgiveness. Don't be open to what God can do in their life. No. It's not. I would love if Scripture said something different. Scripture says, yeah, because what you did... Needed the cross. Them too. And that really takes us to a place of faith and trusting in God. In Matthew 18, 21 and 22, we see this conversation with the Apostle Peter and Jesus. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. How many times should I forgive somebody? Or how grievous? Where's my calculation? A popular rabbi teaching at that time was you forgive someone three times. Kind of like we do, you know, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. But Peter's like, obviously, we're, you know, we're walking with the Messiah. We're walking with the prophet Jesus. We can do better than that. Is it seven times? And Jesus is like, no, it's 70 times seven. And some of us are doing the math, right? And that's how we go around. You know what? Hurt me once. Hurt me twice. You're not going to do it a third. What Jesus says, like, it's not about the number. Like, you know what? 300, hundred. getting close, man. Getting close. We're getting in the 400s, and you are walking on thin ice, my friend. I'm done. Now, Jesus doesn't make it that easy. And when we get jaded, we can't tell the difference between an accident and on purpose. And that jadedness puts us in a place of not trusting people. If you were hurt by a man, all men are terrible. If you were hurt by a pastor, all pastors are terrible. Maybe you don't like blondes or brunettes because they remind you of that person. See, there's a price that you pay when you walk in unforgiveness. Forgiveness is so powerful, but for the enemy, so is unforgiveness. Colossians three thirteen. Bear with each other and forgive whatever. Grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. First Peter 4.8 says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. It's usually one of the main passages that's read at a wedding. Why? Because these two people are in love. They're exchanging their vows. It's ooh la la. Everything is great. And you're like, guess what? You're going to hurt each other's feelings a lot. Remember the honeymoon, right? And and, and honestly, that first year or two of marriage, that's so many people, they get so hard because they're like, but wait a minute, they're human. Wait a minute, they hurt me. Yes. Don't walk in unforgiveness with your spouse. Remember Adam in the garden. They were naked and no shame. This oneness with God, with each other, it was good. And then we have the fall, and what is Adam saying? He's mad at Eve, and he's mad at God, the woman you put me here with. God, it's your fault. Unforgiveness and jadedness of the heart leads us to such a dangerous place. But then we see Joseph in Genesis and his brothers throw him into slavery, and it's, a ye- it's years of his ups and downs But towards the end of his life, he realizes that God was doing something big. So when God touches your life, you realize that there's nothing that the enemy can do to you that God can't transform. There's nothing that the enemy can do to you, even through another person, that God can't use for his glory. And what freedom, friends? Stephen in Acts 7, 58 through 60, when he's being stoned to death, the first martyr, he does what Jesus did on the cross and says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we can look at these teachings in the Bible and go, "Ah, it's just a Sunday school story." Cuz God doesn't really know what they did to me. They were stoning Stephen. <laughs> Rocks. Painful death. God forgive them. Can you imagine the glory of God? We must be very careful with God forgive me but not them. And when we take our sin and our pain and our sorrow to the cross, it changes us. And no one should be saying forgiving something means it's okay when sin is done. And if that has been your experience, I'm sorry. Like forgiveness is dangerous, it's messy, the enemy knows what he can do if he can pervert it. But just because someone perverted God's grace, that doesn't mean it's okay to let the enemy set camp in your heart. Remember this, God never forgives us with the goal of us sinning more. It's to walk in grace so we would sin less. Right? And again, some of us may bumps and bruises and pain and jadedness and hurt. And someone maybe used even God's grace in your life to continue to hurt you. There's nothing more damaging than that still doesn't give a reason to let enemies set up camp in your life. You trust in God more than the pain of the enemy. You trust in God because no one gets away with what they've done. The scripture is clear in that. There's no one good enough, no one righteous enough, no one sneaky enough, no one religious enough. Say, Lord, we pulled one over your eyes. No, that's the beauty of the gospel. And some of us, in the church, we can't tell the difference between grace and encouraging sin and abuse, right? It is, it is messy, and it takes the Holy Spirit. Take your offense to the cross of Christ and bring others with you. But just like in salvation, not all will take the invitation. Maybe you're hitting, sitting here this morning saying, but if I forgive them, it means this. But if I forgive them, then it means maybe I'm going to be okay with them again. Maybe it means God's going to bless them. Maybe I'm going to have to trust them again. Yeah, this is scary, scary thing. Maybe you'd say this morning, I would forgive them, but this. And that why is really important. I've said it for many other people say, I would forgive them, but. Maybe you just didn't understand the difference between forgiveness and restoration. You can say, I can forgive them in my heart. I can pray for them and have my heart be in a place for God to do the miracle that only he can do and only they can receive, right? Maybe you just just need some greater understanding. Like, don't be afraid of forgiveness and what God will do. And don't be afraid to walk down the road of restoration and what God will do, but it takes two. Sometimes that why is like, well, they keep, they're in prison or they've passed or you know, it just gets messier. Or they, man, they're just not seeking. Well, you can still forgive them in your heart. Like, Lord God, make my heart where I'm not in prison anymore. Where all I do is think about them and their demise. But when God has changed your heart, you're like Stephen, like forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like you understand what they've are going through in their sin because you were once there until Jesus changed you at the cross. And I'll say this real quick, just like with, because we have so many parents at home, and it's already 935, so I've got to get to this part quick. Raise your hand if you have kids. You have kids. Lots of mommies and daddies. Forgiveness starts at the home. Kids see you fight, because you're human. They learn that lesson being taught more than words ever. Right? You have kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? They're beautiful three- and four-year-olds, and they're so loving, and then their sibling does something, and they're like, I can't stand them, Mom. I hate them. Ground them forever. And what do you tell them? Oh, this is your, this is your brother. This is your sister. Like, forgive them. Love them. Like, don't do these mean things anymore, but restore. Right? you do not like, yep, you're right. Your brother hurts you. We're selling him to the circus. You don't do that. You might want to, but you don't do that. But what do they see with mom and dad? Do they see a fake marriage? Do they see a real marriage that needs Jesus every day? Do they see an abuse of grace in that marriage? Or do they see two people coming to the cross before a living God? Quick testimony and story, and then we're going to close in prayer. When I think of grace and restoration, which is why we should always say, Lord, man, I'm going I'm, I'm to walk into really dangerous places even in my community because I know how good restoration can be. I know that people could abuse it. I know that people can fake, forgive, all those things. But you know what? With discernment, I'm going to walk in it in the name of Jesus and believe what only God can do. Because as a pastor, I have seen restored lives so many times in my own life and the life of others. And I think of Joe Bridwell, who when I asked if I could use his story, When he first came to this church 10 years ago, he was a meth dealer. He dealt drugs, and he profited from it. And then a mutual friend started just, come over for dinner, come over for dinner. And they just started reminding him of the gospel, reminding him of the truth of Jesus, that no one's too far, no one's too gone. There's no drug that's bigger than the Holy Spirit. And Joe started to believe in the gospel. And he was saved when he was baptized. As baptism, he actually tackled me at the river. <laughs> He's a big dude, so I just, pff, we both got baptized that day. And I remember the fall party that year. At one of our pastor's parents' house, and we're at, the, at this fall party. And Joe remembers that this was a house that he stole from when he was on meth. He's like, whoa, oh, I've been here before. And at that moment, he's like, you know what? I can let shame. just, You know what? Jesus knows what I did. I'm just going to. Or I'm going to go to that man, his father, and say, about three years ago, I stole from you. But because he, he saw the cross so fresh and new in his life, he's like, man, Pastor Ron, Clint, I can I, 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 I talk to you guys. And did one of the most embarrassing but powerful things. And I truly believe in that moment, if he just says, I'm going to keep a quiet, you know, just me and Jesus. The enemy would have put a foothold that says, yep, the gospel doesn't work, does it? You got to hide. People can't be restored. That person will never see you the same. And thank God, our friend's father, very biblical, humble man, and he embraced him. About another year into Joe's walk, he's like, Ron, I'm going to North Dakota. I'm like, what are you going to North Dakota for? He's like, well, I'm going to go to the oil fields and I got some work to do. And my like, man, you do, Joe, you're a new, young believer. I don't know if you need to go in that environment right now. He's like, Ron, I have another thing that I have to do there that's more important than the oil fields. I go, like, well, what is it? And he's like, my dad lives there. And we need to be restored. He needs to know the good news of Jesus, and we need to be okay because there was some hurt growing up. I'm like, dude, go. And the Lord restored them and their relationship. God also did another powerful thing in Joe's life. and started a business, right? Like, we, don't, we forget all the powerful things that God wants to do at that place of restoration, Joe starts this business in North Dakota that changed his life. Changed his finances. A couple years into it, Joe's like, I have a daughter. Her name is Grace. She's four years old. I don't know her. Something needs to be restored. And he goes and meets his daughter. And eventually, because of all the things that God does, Grace, full custody of her father, who was once a meth dealer who chose to believe in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, but that what Jesus forgave him, Jesus could forgive others too. And when I look at my friend's life, I'm always thankful of what Jesus does on the cross. As we close today, a couple questions. Really simple, but very powerful. Number one, do you need to seek out forgiveness because walking in unforgiveness walking with that pain it it goes it goes two ways right i can be like you know what i've hurt you but i'm not going to seek out restoration i'm not going to seek out forgiveness that's a weight my friends do you need forgiveness from god Some of us are carrying a weight that only Jesus can take off of you. And it's found at the cross of Calvary. It's found through the blood of the lamb. And if you're a believer, it doesn't run out for you. You can go back to the cross again. Lord, I need your redemption. Do you need to seek out forgiveness? Is something in the dark that needs to be brought in the light? Do you need to tell God? Do you need to tell people? The second question. Do you need to walk the messy road of reconciliation with someone? Again, there's that first part of forgiveness. Hey, I forgive you for what you did. I mean, Jesus forgave them at the cross. Stephen forgets them out of stoning. Now, you can tell someone, man, I know what you did and it was wrong, but I forgive you for it. But Then there's that road of restoration. And reconciliation, where that relationship is restored, it takes two, and it's a scary one. Do you need to start to walk down that road that you realize, okay, you know what? This is this is the two party coming up that's going to take a third party, which is Jesus, which is going to take the whole. But I need to start walking down that road of trusting this person, allowing fruit to be shown. And on this one, do you need to walk the road of reconciliation? It's really easy to go, I forgive them. It's this is Christian talk. I forgive them. Oh, you hanging out with them? Nope, never. Oh, I forgive them though, because we know this verse that we just spoke on today. I don't want to be unforgiving, so I say it. But I'm never walking in restoration with them. Well, why? They're not open to it. No, well, that's not it. Why? Sometimes it's because man, they just man, they're not there yet, and that's okay. Keep praying. But too many times, we're not willing to walk down that road of restoration because we're too afraid to trust what God can do. And if you look in your own life, what if you were too afraid in your own life? As we close in prayer, there are people in the back that would love to pray with you. There's communion in the back. As we are reminded of the working power of Jesus Christ that never runs out for you and I, friends, and it doesn't run out for our worst enemy if they so choose. The gospel is real, and its power is real today. If you guys can stand, let's pray. Father, Lord God, you've done your work on the cross, and you will complete it in us. Would we truly be forgiven people that forgive people and aren't afraid to see people restored? God would be reminded how powerful the cross is, that we would not use it to abuse people. We would not use grace to permit sin, that we would know the difference between someone that is abusing the, the cross and your grace, and that someone that we're just afraid to see you work in. But would be, be reminded today that you are not done saving people or restoring people, and we are your hands and feet. So if it can't happen here, And how can it happen out there? Lord, may it happen here. Restore your bride that we would walk in the gospel of Jesus Christ.